Hey, how's everyone doing? Welcome back into Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. Happy to have you here for another another talk. And so, I'm really excited to have here Rose Sweet here today. Um, if you don't know her, Rose is a Catholic author. She's a speaker. She's a certified life coach. Her work is grounded, um, really, in St. Pope, um, Pope John Paul II's His Theology of the Body. She does a really lot of good work with that. And a lot of her, her talks and her books are really grounded in that theology of the body, which I'm sure many of you are already familiar with. Um, Rose has spoken at, at several international conferences, such as the World Meeting of Families in 2015. Uh, I think that was the same year that Pope Francis was in Washington, D.C. at the same time. Um, she's spoken at the Theology Body of Congress a couple of times, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, Convocation of Catholic Leaders, and has been on several um, EWTN, EWTN and even network television programs. So she's, she's internationally known as an expert on these topics of marriage, separation, divorce, annulment. So, and she's probably here today to talk about the upcoming After Divorce Online Conference, Okay. Um, and so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about her background. We'll talk about the conference as well. And But if you have any questions about the conference or about marriage, relationship, dating, divorce, please feel free to drop your question in the comment box below and we'll get to it. And we will begin all of that right after this eight second introduction to Talking Catholic. Sweet. Welcome on to Talking Catholic. How are you doing? I'm great. And thank you for listing all my great achievements in my career. But I have to say today is the crowning glory because I get to be on your program. <laughs> I, I love you, man. I love I love everything that you're doing. So thank you for having me. Thanks. That's really flattering. So now, I, I think you and I, we've known each other, at least online, you know, the, uh, the Facebook atmosphere for, for quite a long time. But I, we've never really got a chance to chat. But I've always been impressed with the passion you have in helping people build healthy relationships, help them heal after after divorce. Where does that passion come from, Rose? My passion comes from pain, ultimately. Um, I think you know, David, that when we hit bottom and we experience enough pain, that's when we look up and we open our arms to receive the grace and the power that comes with God's healing. Um, and when you've experienced brokenness and then God's healing, you, you're like the woman at the well. You put your jar down and you run off and you, you, you're filled with passion and excitement. You, you have to tell everybody else the good news. Yeah. Look, if you've messed up your life, I know the answer. Uh, so it's that's where my excitement and my passion comes comes from. Really, it's it's just God's goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, had you ever experienced um, divorce in your family or, or with yourself? Or you know, interesting question. My father and mother took me took all of us kids out to lunch on our seventh birthday. We got our first watch because we could tell time. And we heard the family secret. And it's the family secret. Well, dad had been married before and had a civil divorce. And we found out later that his prior wife had aborted 
three, at least three that he knew of their babies. She was totally against having children. Wow. So as you, as we know, that's not marriage when you're closed forever to the gift of children, that's a, it's a relationship, but it's not a marriage relationship. So I, I didn't understand that when I was younger, but as I grew older and looked back, I realized, you know, and my mom and dad never divorced, but they had difficulties. Um, and on the later years, they did separate because my mom got dementia and they had to live separately. So I watched this married couple live separately, but still be faithful to their vows. Um, so then I, I never wanted to be divorced, but when I ended up divorced, I started realizing I better, I better learn about this. I thought I knew everything and I really didn't. So that was, that was the beginning of a long journey of God's bringing me to adult maturity, spiritually and emotionally. Cause when, when people, thanks for sharing that story. I think, I think when people, and I've been in that situation, you know, with my, my, my first wife who I was married to civilly. Um, and, you know, you know, got divorce is final. And it's, it's a weird thing because you don't, it's like totally new and you don't know where to start. And you some, and sometimes you don't know you need healing. And I see a lot of people, they, you know, they go through divorce and immediately they'll, they'll jump into a new relationship right away. Why, why isn't that, is that, I mean, is, I know there's not a cookie cutter recipe for everything, but is it, is it healthy just to jump into something right away or what's, what's some of the processes that you recommend? Well, you know that when we jump into any relationship out of fear and neediness that, that we're blind, we are totally, we're being run by our emotions and our, our brains are usually checked at the door. So that's why people who experience divorce and don't give themselves time for healing and rush into a new relationship, their chances of a second or third divorce are in the 70 and 80 percentile. Uh, it's just because we're not thinking, we're, we're running on fear, fear of being alone, fear of financial difficulties, fear of never having kids again, fear of being unloved, a fear of not fitting in. Who am I now? If I'm not married, who am I? You know, these are huge questions that take a lot of time and prayer and sometimes professional help to, to answer. Ugh, you know, marriage is hard enough uh, without jumping into it uh, out of fear. Yeah, yeah. And um, it is, you know, I guess anything in life, you know, there's there's a book you could pick up, right? But we don't intuitively. I don't think we immediately go to expert help, or we don't go to books. Even when it comes to things like such as parenting, we rely on our, our, our most of our experience comes from. Oh, what type of parents was I raised by? And I'll just be the I'll take the good and the bad from that. And we don't oftentimes pick up a book or maybe take a class or anything like that. But you've you've helped. My gosh, you have a, such a um, you've been quite prolific. When it comes to writing and helping people with your ministry, I mean, and just as far as like the marriage and um, divorce books, you have rebuilding after divorce. You have understand and petition, understand and petition for your decree of nullity, healing the heartbreak after divorce. You have healing the divorce heart, and then this whole all your books. I think they they've morphed into a new 
series that you have just for Catholic women, right? They're actually, David, they're for Catholic men too, except my publisher says that women buy these books more, so put women, women in the title. So, um, <laughs> and what it is, yes, my, my work with people in broken relationships has morphed into we're all struggling, we're all lost sometimes, we're all hungry for love that, that lasts. And how do we get that? You know, what is the meaning of life? You know, what, how do you do relationships right? Yeah. So yeah, it's universal, our desire for happiness and romance and doing relationships well. Um, so I'm, I'm just delighted to share. And, and you know, David, because this is what you do too. Everything that I do stems from the ancient, beautiful wisdom of the church. And like, I never thought, gosh, could I get answers for all my deepest heart's desires and from a, a, a catechism? Uh, yes. You know, that's what's so delightful to me, too, is the church has always had the answers that we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, wait, um, oh, we have a question here from my buddy John Boy. So he says, um, most Catholic couples contracept and plan to use contraception when they get married. I think this is a grounds for annulment. What do you think, Rose? Well, good question, but let me preface it. It's never what I think. It's never what Rose Sweet thinks. It's what does the church teach? Because that's where the truth is. And I used to think a lot of things, but now I know that marriage demands an openness to the gift of children. And that some, when two people enter into marriage and one or both of them is permanently closed, permanently closed to children, then th that is grounds for annulment because it's not agreeing to enter into a relationship that images the way God loves us. God's intimate union with our soul is very fruitful. If, however, a Catholic couple or any couple is contracepting, that usually means that they do want kids, but not now. They're saving money or they're too busy. And in that case, it's sinful and it's selfish, but it's not grounds for nullity because there's not that permanent closure to children. All right. All right. All right. That Does that makes make sense? sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and Jean comes in, she has a comment here. She says, my second marriage of 30 years was rushed to take care of my three kids. But now we uh, raise the three plus two. Received an enrollment from our first marriage. He was a very diabolical. Now she's in the best Catholic marriage. Do you ever do you hear a lot of testimonies like that? I mean, I'm sure you do. I hear this is I hear it every day. And one of the beauties and the gifts that God has opened for me is that in my work, I've also been trained as an annulment advocate, and I help people who uh, who go to the church tribunals to have their marriage examined to see what happened, what happened to us, what happened to me. Um, and was, was this a valid marriage bond from the very beginning or not? It's a complex topic that we cover in our, in our after divorce conference that we're gonna talk about later. But I hear the stories over and over and over of people who entered marriage with high hopes and good intent. Mm -hmm. 
but sometimes such a deep brokenness, such a deep brokenness in themselves or the other person that maybe they didn't know about, that it was almost doomed from the start. Yeah. Not that God's grace, you know, he can part the Red Sea and all that, but he will not, God will not impose his will on ours. That's the terrible gift of free will that we have. So, yeah, I see a lot of people more than we would realize who enter marriage and there's something really, really damaged. And as this person just said, diabolical from the beginning, not that the person that they married is the devil, but for whatever reason, they have brought a lot of sinfulness and woundedness and, and, and pain into, into what should have been an authentic marriage. Yeah. And sometimes I just that's just from the very beginning, you know, I wasn't course I wasn't I didn't I didn't come to the Catholic Church until I was like well into my my, my 30s and but I, I think my experience of not knowing the truth about what marriage is isn't too different even from some Catholics who maybe grew up in in the faith and so I, I don't I have a lot in common with people who don't know the Catholic faith or know what the Catholic Church teaches in that sense but I remember and this is like totally backwards rose but I remember when I was a kid you know I grew up my my you know, I didn't want to be like my stepfather, right? I mean, my, my biological father, you know, he, come on, my mom never got married. And so I would only see him primarily just like every other weekend, you know, he'd come to get me. And that was like my relationship. That was my understanding of fatherhood. And I had a good stepfather as well. Um, but I could tell he had a different relationship with his biological sons than he did, you know, with me. Yeah. And so the first promise I ever made myself, Rose, is like, it was this, like, I said, the first woman I get pregnant I'm going to marry. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, but that, that was, that was out of pain. I mean, I, you know, that was just out of the, I, you know, I probably couldn't articulate it back then, but I was just out of the pain. I didn't want to, I didn't want my children to experience what I experienced from having, you know, seeing my dad every other weekend. And then, you know, the whole stepfather thing, you know, not feeling, you know, the same as my, my, my siblings. So, um, so yeah, we do things the wrong way, we out of out of order. I think doing things out of order causes a lot of disruption in what could be a healthy marriage and relationship in in um with, with children as well, right? Yeah, and that's not to say that God's grace can't heal that even in a marriage, but it always takes two, you know, and that's the great sorrow to me is to see a a, a very difficult marriage or even what we call a putative marriage that it probably has grounds for annulment or invalidity. And one person is struggling so nobly and so beautifully to take the high road and do the right thing. But if that other person isn't in, on board, you know, it takes two to have a marriage. Right. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And I was, I would say, you know, my wife, my, my, my first wife, I had married civilly when she decided, you know, to divorce me. I think it was it was at that time that you know fighting for her that whole time. I'm not I'm Catholic at this time now, and that's, that's part of the reason why she didn't want to be married to me because I had become Catholic. You know, she was still agnostic. She didn't think that was going to work. But I remember those years when I was fighting for the marriage by myself. I think I yeah. came to finally love my wife as she des finally des deserved to be loved, right? Because I wasn't a great husband, but all that praying for my marriage and, 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 and sacrificing and um, fasting for my wife, I think I finally came to love her 
as she as a Catholic husband should. You know, for her, you know, I think she appreciated my effort, but for her, she called it too much, too late, right? <laughs> right. But, 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 yeah. Um. What's your What's your thoughts on on prayer and fasting for um spouses when you know, I love when going I, difficulties? I I love that you brought that up. First of all, and and I have one of my talks or one of my live talks coming up this weekend is about how to love your ex-spouse appropriately and truly. And that's what you're talking about. Authentic love is desiring the best for that person and being willing to do whatever it takes that you can do for that greater good for that person. And it that's different for everybody. But authentic love is wanting that person to get to heaven and not standing in their way. And you experience that, David, you, you learn to see her as a daughter of the King, uh, precious in her own right. Uh, and, and you loved her through that prayer and that sacrifice, everybody who's in a difficult marriage. And, you know, let's be honest, wait, I'm going off on on a side. Of all the people who are still married and never divorced, how many do you think are really, truly healthy and happy, holy marriages? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. Yes. We we assume that everybody, if you're not divorced, you're happy. But the truth is everybody is struggling to some degree. So even in a difficult marriage, prayer and fasting for the other one, even when you're getting nothing in return, is what God calls us to do. That's picking up your cross in marriage and loving the other person the way they need to be loved. Now, here's what the church teaches. If you can bear it, if you can stay in a very difficult marriage, you must try to stay in it and do everything you can. And God promises to give you the grace as necessary. But in some cases, it's absolutely unbearable and even dangerous. And in those cases, the church teaches you do have permission to civilly leave the marriage to protect yourself or your kids. Your, the, the marriage bond that we assume is there, it still stands. Yeah. But in the civil arena, you can free yourself to protect yourself. And, you know, this is a complex topic, but the, the beauty is, and back to what you're saying, prayer does work. Sacrifice and fasting does work to help in a difficult marriage. And we all need, we all need to remember that and do that. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, cause prayer, sometimes prayer doesn't change the other person. Sometimes you wanted to change the other person, but sometimes what prayer and fasting does is change you. Exactly. And, yeah, it was you. Hey, we got a couple um, comments and questions I want to get to. Um, the first one is from uh, Alfonso. It says, David, another super expert. <laughs> Thanks for hosting Rose. I wish I could have encountered Rose several decades ago. My own experience combined uh, fear and anxiety of being alone and rejected. Thanks, Rose. You know, thank you for the beautiful words. Let me comment. For those of you who still have kids at home or young kids or young adult children, please encourage them to go into their room by themselves and read or whatever uh, or as they get older, to go to the movie by themselves. We, we, and relationships are wonderful, but we sometimes get so attached to being with others. We don't know how to be alone. We don't know how to enjoy the gift 
of solitude. And that can keep us afraid, like the comment we just received, afraid of being alone. They don't know how to be alone. They don't know who they are when they're alone. So I always say, especially to divorced people, and I have another, I have a pretty funny talk about this after my divorce, when I went out on Valentine's Day alone, but I digress. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So try to go out. You know, you don't need to go out to lunch with somebody all the time. Um, So Jesus often, he gives us example in scripture. He went off, he even left his very best friends. You know, Peter, James, and John were the ones that he stuck with most of the time. And even then he left those guys and went alone to be alone so that he could collect his thoughts and be re-energized and get back an intimate touch with the father. Um, So solitude is something that we don't appreciate and something we need to bring after divorce and also in our marriages. I know, I know a lot of, especially I'm going to blame the women here. Some women don't know how to do anything and go anywhere without their husbands. And then when they die, they're totally overwhelmed and lost and, and they're freaking out. So this is a whole nother topic that you could do on another show, but uh, the beauty and the gift of solitude and being alone. Yeah. And I know you're, you're reaching deep into uh, the beginning of some of um, Pope um, St. Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body. He's, he talks about, about that right in, in his early lectures, the importance of solitude when Adam had that, that period of solitude. So I know that's, that's, that's essential and important. It really is. And I like how you brought the idea of training children up in that. That's, that's something I had never, never thought of. Cause you know, I was the only kid for a lot of years. Um, oh, that you know. explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm all about, I understand solitude very well. So, Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. No, no, I'm the oldest of nine and I'm married to an only child. Uh, Ask me how that works some days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you and my wife can have some conversations. Oh, so. I would love that. <laughs> uh, let me get to... Um, oh, so Jean, she pops back in. She gives us some more um, understanding about what she meant by diabolical. She says, yes, as we stood at the altar, he had my maid of honor pregnant at the time. That's amazing. Wow. You know what? This is sad, but it's not amazing to me because I hear this more often than I ever realized. Um, I hear about, you know, when somebody comes to me after divorce and I say, tell me your story. And they go, well... You know, we broke up a couple times while we were dating. And I go, okay. And and even right before the wedding, I caught him cheating with my best friend. I go, what do you mean right before the wedding? Well, it was the night before at the rehearsal dinner and they were in the bathroom going at it. And I'm like, and you married him? Of course she did. This is, And here's, here's what I hear. The invitations were out. What would mom and dad say? All the guests were invited. I, it was too late. And he said he was sorry. So I hoped it would just all go away and it would work. And sadly, in stories like that, it doesn't go away because there's some deep issue there, especially on his side and hers. The the fear of not getting what you want or being ashamed or being abandoned just, you know, blinds you and then you march into marriage where it's it's not able to be an authentic marriage. Yeah, Yeah, that is so true. 
You think the saying I heard, you know, I always heard a saying, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? That is so true, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, what, David, I'll never forget this story. A young woman said, um, we were only married four years and um, it was rocky the whole time. And I said, well, when did it start to be difficult? She goes, well, we had troubles when we were dating, but I knew we were in trouble when we were on our honeymoon. They're in Hawaii on their honeymoon. They're in the parking lot getting their luggage and they get in a fight and he turns around and he spit in her face. The bride standing there, the groom just spit in her face. This is the, and these are Catholics. These are people that have been sacramentalized. They go to mass. This, this is a harsh reality. And um, I, I just God has blessed me and equipped me to go into that battlefield and help bring the wounded out. Yeah, my gosh. I know. Man. I, I see how you have so much content for books now. <laughs> I know. I, you have to be careful because if I don't like you, I won't change your name in the book. <laughs> I know. I know. Cougar so, uh, um, um, Garcia, how often do you see annulments is legitimate with those who are seeking one? Also, when you see that the marriage is actually valid, how do you counsel the couple who is already civilly divorced? and bent on getting divorced. So we have a couple of questions here. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, first of all, there's a myth out there that annulments are real easy to get and the tribunals hand them out like candy. You know, that's not true. Um, that started with people who don't understand and who are afraid. Um, most tribunals have a process where if you submit your case and it's weak or there's nothing there, it doesn't go any farther. It gets thrown out or sent back to you and they go, come back with more information. So the ones that actually do go through and get to the judges are very, very strong. And that's why in the end, most cases that go all the way through to the end do get a granting of a declaration of nullity. That's the reason for that. So there's lots of other cases that don't. That makes sense. To the second part of your question, the Catholic Church presumes that every time a man and a woman stand together and, 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 and make an oath to each other, a vow, to love each other freely, fully, faithfully, and fruitfully till death, open to kids, blah, 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 that a valid marriage bond comes into being at that moment. And nothing can break that except death. Even for non-baptized people, that would be a natural marriage. So when somebody comes to me and I ask their question and I dig and I, I ask questions, I dig, 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 and I don't see any grounds for nullity. I tell them, look, I don't see anything here. Your marriage is standing as valid until you have enough credible evidence to show the tribunal otherwise. So you're married and you have to live as married and you have to try to go back you have to try to reconcile. You got to try counseling. Anything that you have not done to date, try. Number two, give it more time. Number three, get more help. At some point, though, if it's unbearable for you, separation may be permitted. But that's another set of circumstances down the road. 
So I don't tell people just go get a civil divorce and find love again. Uh, I, I never do that. I, I did do that myself. I was disobedient and sinful and I paid a big price for it. So I know the church's teachings are true and wise and good. Um, and that's what I offer to people the same. Yeah, I didn't. So I knew you're uh, you know, certified life coach and expert. I know people come to you for con um, um, counseling, but I didn't know. So I'm just now hearing that sometimes a, a person may come to you who's thinking about an annulment and are trying to see whether they have grounds or not. So you help people, you provide that service as well. Yes, I do. I, and uh, let me just share a, a story with you that I, it, it, I never forget this one. So a woman came to me and told me her whole story. And I dig, I ask every question known to man, because I'm trying to get the truth. And, you know, we're embarrassed and we're afraid and we don't want to say everything. And so sometimes it's really difficult. And after almost two hours, I told this young woman, I go, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, there's nothing here. And so she started to leave and she said, well, would incest count? And I go, what do you mean incest? She goes, well, I never told anybody this ever, but my father has been molesting me and my brothers did too. And I married Jose to just to get away from them. And I'm like, Boing, bingo, there it is. Wow. And she burst into tears and I handed her the Kleenex. You know, there's so much fear and shame about mm -hmm. who we are and our, and our past and our sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we need to do as a church to do better is to welcome people with love and not judgment. But that doesn't mean dismiss sin. It doesn't mean whitewash the truth. And that's I, I, in our church day, we seem to have the ones that say, oh, truth doesn't matter. Just do what you want. God loves you. Or the other one is all rigid and tight and condemning. Yeah. So the real church and how I try to be is that tension between the two. Yeah. And John, he pings in on, on that topic. Um, speaking about things that, you know, we as, as a laity and a clergy, that things we've done and the things we failed to do. Right. Um, he says the clergy has been silent about contraception for decades. How is that affected? Um, which would, you know, what you see in, in um, what you are, what you in your ministry, Rose? Well, gosh, David, what do you think? You know, when the clergy is silent about something that serious, um, we're all going to pay the, a big price. Right. And yet, because I am a lay person, I realize that I have the responsibility. If Father so-and-so isn't guiding me, especially today with the internet and the availability of all the church teachings and the truth that we have, there's no, there, there's no excuse for me not knowing what the church teaches and, and not knowing why and finding people to support me in the truth. Right. Um, and as a lay person, I have to take responsibility for my own holiness. So I, yes, I'm going to blame Father Feelgood for what he has done to fail us. It's been horribly damaging, Father. But I pray for you. And then I also pray for my own grace and my own forgiveness and my own strength to live a holy life and to lead others in the way they should go. Yeah, yeah. Ignorance only counts for for so much, right? But yeah. I want to talk to I want to get to 
the conference here in a moment. Okay. Because um, I'm really excited about your online conference about um, about all these topics. You have some really great speakers there. But Mr. Baker, he says, what if um, the wife tells the husband she made a mistake at the reception? Does that invalidate the marriage asking for a friend? I guess this is a hypothetical, not a whole lot of information here. Okay, if a wife tells a husband she made a mistake at the reception. So in other words, right after the wedding ceremony, she goes, uh-oh, I don't want to be married to you. Well, that in itself doesn't invalidate the marriage bond. The marriage bond is presumed to come into being at that ceremony. And, and assuming they haven't consummated the marriage yet because it's still at the reception. Right, right. right. Okay. But that she has to, she can't just decide that it's invalid and she can exit. She has to submit herself to the authority of the church and ask them to take a look at what was going on, not just at the reception, but everything that obviously led up to what happened at the reception. Why did she think that? Why did she get married? She, the burden is on her to let the tribunal know what, what the real story is. Because the tribunal is going to uphold that marriage bond until she can provide enough credible evidence to support nullity. Yeah. And even though and they I haven't, that. even though they haven't had conjugal love yet, even though they haven't consummated a marriage. Yes, here's what the church teaches, and not very many Catholics know this: that the minute they exchange consent, that is, I do, I do, that that marriage bond comes into being, and they're married. Now, marriage, that consent makes the marriage. And later in the honeymoon suite, when they consummate it, that strengthens the marriage bond. Okay. So if the, this is what we know, if, if a husband and wife after the reception got, you know, if, if he was in a horrible car accident and could no longer function as a husband, uh, they're still married. Yeah. They've got a difficult situation, but they're still legally and morally married in the eyes of the church. Rosa, it looks like I'm going to have to have you back on another show because these questions keep coming in. But, okay, this is the this is the last one before we get to the online <laughs> conference. But, um, so, Donna Garcia, what are your thoughts about the, well, I will say, what does the church teach, all right, about Catholics who marry in a church, then divorce and remarry without an annulment, receiving Holy Communion? Oh, this is good. This is good. Okay. So let's lay, let's lay some definitions here. Marriage is a relationship that we presume is valid because it, and it can't be broken because it's an image of and a doorway into that way that Jesus loves us, his bride. And that's permanent. Okay. So when you civilly divorce and step outside the church without an annulment and decide that you can attempt marriage again on your own, you've set yourself outside of the family. You're still part of the family by your baptism. You'll always be part of the family, but you've stepped outside how you should be doing things. You have violated the marriage bond. You may not feel like it. You don't think it's wrong, but you have. And I always use the example of once one of my teenage stepson's did a really, really bad thing. And he kind of ran away from home because he was in big trouble. Well, he was still part of the family. He was still welcome to the dining table. 
We loved him to death, but he had violated our family principles. And before he could come back and resume his place in the family and receive all the blessings, he had to repent and take necessary steps to re of restitution. That's normal. We get that. So if I get a divorce and go outside the church and remarry and then march my little tail up to receive Holy Communion, what I'm saying is I don't have to obey Jesus through his church. I, I, I have redefined another Jesus that just loves me the way I am because now I'm happy and I'll be my own Pope. And I deserve and I want to receive Holy Communion because that makes me feel good. And I, I want to be part of the church. And how dare anybody push me away, right? Well, what is Holy Communion? Holy Communion is all of us, the bride, going humbly and lovingly and obediently to receive Jesus, our bridegroom, into our very body. And if we present ourselves with arrogance and sin and I can do this and I could do that. And you need to, you need to give yourself to me, Jesus. Whoa, whoa, come on. That's highly offensive and arrogant and sinful. And when you love Christ and understand the depth of love that he has and what he went to make himself present to us, you would never march yourself up to demand to receive him in that state of sinful sinfulness. I didn't know this stuff. Nobody ever explained it to me that way. And that's what I love about John Paul II's Theology of the Body. It's such a beautiful way of understanding that marital, intimate relationship that we have with Christ in the sacrament of Holy Communion. So I know that's a long answer, but let me add to that. What should that person do? Immediately, they should withdraw from each other, live as brother and sister, march down to the church, try to get their marriage annulled if they can, and only come back together as husband and wife when they're free to marry the right way. And then they get all the graces that they're now not getting. It's a it's complex, but we went there, David. So there. <laughs> That's good stuff. I wish after the tribunal had granted my annulment, I wish they included in that packet like a, some sort of, okay, here's some steps you want to take next. Like you know, how here's here's some guys the healing. Here's some things you want to do. Maybe you want to consider your vocation before jumping into another marriage. You know, but they, you know they just send you this you know your letter of annulty and you know, whatever, maybe interdict, I don't know, but there's no, there's no like steps they give you afterwards, but your conference coming up here this weekend. And I think if you register now, I think you can um, start to see some of the videos and I have a little ticker here down at the bottom. Um, Rose has put together an awesome conference at smartcatholics.com backslash after divorce. But if you just go to smartcatholics.com, you can see all their conferences they're having up in the run that Rose is hosting after divorce rose who should come to this who should come to this conference and why should they come i think everybody should and here's why you know david thank you for being part of the conference i loved your talk um i love saint peter he's very near and dear to me so you talk about him in your talk so i won't i won't give it away but they should come 
all of us who are presenting, we're, we, we kind of go beyond divorce to how do you heal the heart from any trauma, any deep loss, any deep wound or hurt or disappointment or betrayal. We've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. So all, all of us are talking about deep healing and the joy that God wants for us, the abundant life that he wants for us, how to forgive. Raise your hand if, you don't, if you've never had to forgive somebody. So we talk about forgiveness and healing and real love and sex and marriage, and it's just all good. So if you've been divorced a long time ago or recently, or you're remarried, without an annulment, or, or you have adult children who are going through divorce, or if you're an adult child of divorce, your parents split, and you're still struggling with unhealed wounds, the conference is for you. It's really, it's, it's, it's all, it's so good. I'm just, yeah. thank you again for being part of it, David. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks, thank you for inviting me. Like I said, I wish that stuff was there after, you know, after you know, I'm sure it was. I just didn't go looking, but I really want to share this awesome resource with as many people as I can. Well, can can I interrupt you for a yeah, minute? Sure. Let's go back to that tribunal. The tribunal didn't give you any uh, follow up pastoral care, right. and that is, in a certain sense, because that's not their job. That's not you, their you job. Know, they are. Uh, and I've worked with tribunals all around the country. They are all about the law, upholding the law, protecting the law, protecting marriage. It's they're you know they're like they are in the courtroom. It's like when you go to civil court, they and you're fighting for uh, you know somebody stole your car. They don't help you find a new car. They're just dealing with the theft of the car. So we at the parish level, you who are listening right now, a man, a woman, layman clergy we need to be the place where people like david went after his divorce and got the letter from the tribunal the cold clinical letter from the tribunal we need to be the place where people come and get help and support and love and i see you have a lot of speakers here um some familiar names um dr ray garindi uh, father dwight uh, longnecker Longneck, yeah yeah and so he's great christopher yeah. west yeah, Christopher West. Um, so who else? Who who else um, talks? Are you you definitely looking forward to seeing live? I know you got some people that start speaking live on Saturday. Who are you looking forward to? Yes, well, um, uh, Lynn Kapusinski is uh, a, a wonderful and published author and speaker. She she focuses in on issues of adult children for divorce. She's an adult child of divorce. And she's a th licensed family therapist. So she has worked with adult children who are afraid of marriage, afraid of commitment, or super needy, um, or in, are, are unable to trust in relationships. So she's really going to address a lot of that. And then we have um, Mark Rudick, who is um, a former military dude and a Catholic man, and just awesome. And he, he really speaks to men's issues. Uh, on going through divorce and then afterward as well. And then who else do we have live? I can't remember. I know I'm going to be on there a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, no, no, no. Anyway, it's all go to the smartcatholics.com. It's all listed there and you get free downloads and all the videos right now are up for free. And I do want to say one more thing if I can. Ben Wynn is one of our speakers. 
And he's a very well-known and respected canon lawyer and also a civil, oh, yeah. a civil yeah. attorney. Now, our videos were supposed to be 15 or 20 minutes, right? Ben created three one-hour teachings yeah. Yeah. on marriage, divorce, annulment. They are amazing. Yeah, he went all the way in. That was phenomenal. <laughs> he, he is, and they're fabulous. He's yeah. approachable. He uses canon law language, but in a way that, that anybody can understand. And I think every every parish needs to, like, come watch these and then share them with everybody. Anyway, I'm I'm very thankful to Smart Catholics for hosting this event. Yeah. Well, definitely got to have you back on, Rose. A lot of people are definitely interested in what you had to say in my audience. So um, we got to figure out a topic to talk about and really dig into it. But for now, thanks for coming on to Talking Catholic. It's my pleasure. I love you. I pray for you. I follow you. And I tell people to go to your website and everything else. So thank you again for having me on. And God bless you, brother. God bless you, too. Thanks, Rose. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Fool me, we can't get fooled again.